Beautiful name it is, the name 
yesterday of Pastor Jack's daughter for Elijah and Emigel that God would bless their union in a mighty way and we want to lift up in prayer Linda Stewart asked for prayer for her daughter-in-law's dad Jeffrey Juban that has gone to be with the Lord and we want to for Pastor Jack also ask that we pray for Danny Peckington, who is in the hospital with COVID right now, so lift him up. And Allison has asked for continual prayer for healing for Jean Craig. Ron and Joanna asked for prayers for Ron's sister, Michelle, for back issues that she's having right now. And we want to continue to lift up Lou in prayers for healing. Um, he is home, 
but they don't have a really good prosper for him for his heart right now. And we asked for Mildred Price's family as she also went home to be with the Lord on Monday. And I have praise that my, and thank you for praying for my niece, Hannah, who had COVID after having a baby. Um, she is home, praise God, and she's able to be with her newborn son. And we're also praising that we have another great niece that was born this week too, Emmy. So we want to go to the Lord in prayer. Can you bow your heads? Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you for all the blessings that you give us each and every day. Let us see the good things that are going on in our world right now and the praises for weddings, for babies, for all those things, Lord. But we also lift up those that are suffering right now from losses, for those that are needing healing due to surgeries or COVID or whatever illness it may be, Lord. We lift them. And we're two or more together in prayer. You hear us, Lord. And by your blood, we are healed. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, say amen. It's good to be back. It's the first I've been here since you flipped the script and changed things around. Now I'm really confused. And at my age, that's nothing to laugh at. Just saying. I'm here by God's grace, COVID-free. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So thankful and uh, so mindful of prayer for those that have been uh, knocked down by this this. Uh, the strange thing that's occurred. But God is good all the time, amen? So I'm going to ask you, if you have your uh, scriptures with you today, um, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 6, uh, in a passage that starts out nice. You know, sometimes you read scripture and it's nice. You get a warm and fuzzy. But uh, as Jesus often did, he started out nice, and then he got to the point. So for some of us, this will be preaching to the choir 
For some of us, it'll be equipping us to uh, go out into the world and do what we have to do. Um, Jack's asked me to come back next week as fill in as well. He's not going to be available. Um, and I hope to kind of take today's foundation in our message and then bring it back home here to our Paris Foundation and local community and how you all serve in the community, especially through Paris Foundation, bring you an update on where we are, where we're going by God's grace, and actually show you the um, architect's rendering for our community center, our building project, and explain what's behind that so that you can be more informed as you minister. But the question today is in the, the title, is your blesser broken? Now, for Haven Church, I know that's, as a group, that's a, uh, a rhetorical question because I know it's not because you bless and you bless and you bless. You bless our community in so many ways and you have for quite a long time. I'm reading from the King James today uh, just because I'm old, sorry. Um, in chapter 6 in Luke, beginning in verse 20, Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Father, I pray as we look into your word today that you would strengthen us, challenge us, encourage us, make us more like your son, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Everybody went, what? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right, Jesus. The Pharisees went crazy. Because these are the very things that they taught in Jesus' day, that if you were poor or hungry or had a, some sickness or illness or disease, it was because you were a sinner. You weren't right with God. And we, the Pharisees, don't have those problems because we're right with God. Well, Jesus deals with the Pharisees over and over and over again. But I want to tell you, he's going to deal with us. He, this is to his disciples today. He's going to deal with us today and really... You know, challenge us to search our hearts because sometimes the scripture is really hard not to believe but to put into practice and I think this passage is probably one of the toughest that we face Jesus says who gets blessed the poor the hungry the grieving the ostracized those that are hated shunned disapproved of and slandered what's their response verse 23 he says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Remember when Peter and John went up to the temple in Acts chapter 3? There was a man there begging, couldn't walk. And they, he says, alms. And they said to him, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what did he do? He got up, he walked into the temple, and it says he went walking and leaping. I won't attempt that and praising the Lord, walking and leaping and praising the Lord. I've got to tell you, so many folks take their blessings for granted. And one of the great things, personally for me, being out in the community, so to speak, on the street and ministering to those less fortunate, those who fit these categories, so many of these folks are so open in their response to us thank you. God bless you. We couldn't make it 
without you, collectively, church, body of Christ, serving. Every once in a while, we'll get somebody that has an attitude. Do you ever have an attitude? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not a priest. You don't have to confess to me. But we all need an attitude adjustment every once in a while. And sometimes folks that are on the receiving end of what we consider to be a blessing that we're providing, God's providing through us, rather, um, they don't seem all that grateful. And we're kind of taken back like, well, they didn't even say thank you. It was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Don't get too carried away. (laughs) Okay? Um, But over time, we see, because we're there every night, we see and we see the relationship growing. We see folks being impacted. We see them understanding from a point of like, why are you here? What are you doing? To thank God you're here and we love what you're doing. We moved into our new facility our tiny house office that we have now over in Hollingsworth Manor. Um, it's just like going to get Rita's. We have a little sliding window. You walk up, the menu's on the little whiteboard there. And people come in, they place their water, they get their sandwich, they get their bag, and they go out. Uh, it's kind of it's cute. We moved the end of February. And, of course, moving in wintertime and cold weather and moving into a neighborhood and being gone from our previous location where we'd been for almost 10 years, uh, again, it was a little disconcerting. It took people a little while to scratch their heads and figure out they're not there, number one. They're not coming back here, number two. But where are they, number three? And then they started to find us. Well, our reason for moving, besides the fact that we've been flooded three times, COVID had shut down our dining room, and our building was sold. Other than that, the reason we moved had to do with the fact that we realize, and I'm sure you do, that in the long run, prevention is where we need to be putting our efforts. Before someone becomes homeless, before they become addicted, before they're abused or become an abuser, prevention, intervention, at the earliest possible stage is worth so much more. And if we can bring the gospel to a community that's besieged by these things, by evil, if we can bring the gospel into the heart, into the belly of the beast, and trust God that his word will not return void, then we, by God's word, claim that territory for Jesus Christ. Amen? If I say the manor right away, most folks who have been in this area for any period of time and you're familiar with Elkton, right away, what's your response? Is it a smile on your face? No. It's, it's, a, it's a shake your head. Oh, my gosh. Really? But I have to tell you, I... I uh, as part of my responsibilities, I cover the dinner hour every Saturday. Um, during the week, I'm in and out doing, you know, executive director stuff. Uh, and we have folks that are there that, that oversee the meal. But I'm there every Saturday. And uh, I have to tell you, it's the most boring three hours of my week. It's just so peaceful. Where we are right next to the Family Education Center is a big lawn and the parking lot and the lights and the grass goes on and kids are out playing and Folks are walking their dogs. Uh, in the summertime, you see them playing in their blow-up pools in the backyard, trimming their grass, just doing regular stuff, just like regular people. Now, I understand that there's crime and these other things that we've talked about take place in that community, but they take place in every community. They're just not as visible in others. Because you know how I know that? I was a policeman for 18 years. And I've seen what goes on behind the door. 
Sin is sin. Evil is evil. And the same things that, that beset this community beset all of our communities. It's just that they're concentrated because of poverty. Several years ago, as we were investigating the possibility of, of ministering in Hollingsworth Manor, um, we were part, invited to be part of a focus group with residents and some of the agencies and organizations that serve in that community. And when it came time for the residents to give their input or ask their questions, it was, the, the question was put by the moderator, well, now tell us, tell us what you think you need. Tell us what you want to have happen. Lady raises her hand. First person, first comment. She says, I have a question. Where are the churches? I still get chills. Where are the churches? You talk about conviction. I knew then that the Spirit of God had planted a seed in us, and we couldn't imagine why. Like, really, Lord, of all places, of all things, how's this going to work? But that confirmed for me that that very moment that we were moving in the right direction. And in God's timing and by his hand, we relocated to the heart of that, that community. And we have seen nothing but God work day after day, week after week, now month after month. Tonight at 530, there's going to be a baptismal service from a young lady that came to Christ through our ministry there, our Sunday night ministry team that does the worship service. They're going to be going over to uh, Fair Hill to the Covered Bridge, and they're going to have a baptismal service. We do it every September for folks that have come to Christ. So understand that what we do is more than hand out a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The Word of God goes forth, and Haven's an important part of that. Who's supposed to be getting blessed? Who are we supposed to be blessing? The poor, the hungry, the grieving, those who've been isolated. If you know anything about Hungsworth Manor, you know it is an isolated community. You don't drive through that community to get to where any else, anywhere else. You drive by it, but you don't drive through it unless you have a reason to be in there. And we're giving folks a reason to be in there. We're giving the church a reason and an opportunity to be in there. Now, I understand for some folks, Hungsworth Manor in that community is, is Nineveh. Anybody read Jonah lately? Jonah was all excited. He wanted to go to Nineveh, couldn't wait to minister there, right? No. He hid in the boat, got thrown in the ocean, said, kill me, eat me up, big fish, whatever, spit me out on the lawn. Okay, I'll go, Lord, but I, I hope it doesn't work. And then when it worked, when people got saved, what did he do? He got mad at God. Boy, I hope nobody gets mad at God because he's working in Hollingsworth Manor through the Paris Foundation and all of us partnering together. I, I hope we rejoice I hope we rejoice with those that rejoice and leap for joy. Because there's a warning attached for folks that say, oh, you know, you, I, you, we're not going to get involved there. I'm never going to that neighborhood. Well, listen, I'll give you a, a police escort if you want to come, if that's what it takes. Because once you're there and you see what's going on, you see what God's doing, it's going to give you an attitude adjustment. Because he says in verse 23, here's what we're supposed to do. Rejoice in that day. And leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. 
Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Again, Jesus knew his audience. We have to know our audience today. The naysayers, the mockers, those who say, you're wasting God's resources. What do you want to have to do with those people? I've got news for you. From where God sits, he looks down, we are all those people. Amen? We are all those people. So there's a warning for the rich, the self-satisfied, the mockers, and the conceited. Romans 12.3 says that we ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we often do. We need to think soberly. How should we react to those who mistreat or neglect others? How should we react to those who bring down others to make themselves feel important or puffed up? Again, Jesus, in this ongoing dialogue, if you will, with the Pharisees in his day, Scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. We face the same opposition today. He says in verse 27, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. And not only that, <clears throat> do good to them which hate you. Put some feet to your faith. We can say we love, but until we take action, it's just words. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. The plight of the persecuted church, the body of Christ around the world, really struck home with me many, many years ago when I started pastoring up in Pennsylvania. And we had some folks come and share what it was like to be a Christian in some of these places in the world where taking the name of Christ um, can subject you to all sorts of terrible things up to and including your death. He says, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. I think this is one of the most difficult passages for us to embrace as Christians, is it not? And if we're being honest, again, we can say it, but where is our heart? Remember, it, the, world, the world looks on the outward appearance, Scripture says, but God looks on the heart. And our hearts are revealed in our actions. Our hearts are revealed in the challenges that we accept and in the trust that we place in Him to go to these places and to do these things that He has called us to do and trust Him for the results. Trust that He will be glorified in our obedience. How should we react? Love and do good to them. Bless and pray for them. Verse 29, And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy cloak also. Don't give in to provocation. Don't play that game. Don't lower yourself. Somebody wants to give you a hard time about it, say, you know what, God bless you. God bless you. But I'm not going to let your opposition keep me from my obedience. He goes on in 30, give to every man that asketh of thee, not just the people that you like, not just your favorite homeless person, not just your famous favorite community character, but to the ones that you look at and immediately you're repulsed by their appearance, by their conduct, by their location, by whatever it is. Immediately, in the flesh, carnally speaking, we are repulsed by servant. Those are the people Jesus says, get up 
and go to them because they need us most. They need the touch from the master's hand the most. And don't go expecting thanks. Go simply because the word of God says to go and give and not ask for anything in return. Practice charity. And then verse 31 sums it up. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. We call that the golden rule. It's that simple. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Well, why, why should we do that? Jesus explains. For if ye love them which love you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye have hoped to receive, what thanks have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. What would Jesus do? We know what Jesus would do because we know what he did do. Amen? He says, verse 35, here's what we're going to do. We're going to love our enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. Why? Because your reward will be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now, this is a challenge for some of our volunteers, even for some of our staff sometimes. Because, as I said, not everyone turns around and, and, and falls all over us and gushes over us. And, you know, we get all because it's not about us. For 10 years, I've been trying to explain to volunteers, it's not about us. Jesus, others, yourself brings joy. Amen. It's not just a Christmas card. It's a way to live your life. What would Jesus do? What did he do? Love your enemies. Do good. Lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough for us? Ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So what should we do? Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful, in verse 36. Judge not. Ooh, wait a minute, now we're getting a little heavy here. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. See, God's watching. He's watching what we're doing with his resources that he's entrusted to us for such a time as this. The opportunity that lies before us in this county, in these communities that are isolated in their own little worlds, places that we avoid, places that we as I said, frown upon when we even think about them. 
You don't have to go all the way to Elkton. Just go right down the road the other direction. There's plenty of folks that need the gospel, plenty of folks that need help, plenty of folks that are a challenge, plenty of folks that, yeah, they're scary. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Does Jesus still work the same way he did in the the gospel era? What says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's the one that we trust. He's the one that calls us to this ministry of compassion. He's the one that set the bar. And sometimes that's a problem for us because we say, well, that was Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh. Of course, he was perfect. Of course, he could do it. And I've known people who've become discouraged because of that and said, well, I could never meet that standard. I could never match that. So why should I bother? Boy, just talk about missing the mark and missing the point. I know a fellow who, who took that attitude after a message. I praise God that I wasn't the one that brought the message because I would have felt guilty even to today, but I still feel bad for him. Because that was the message. That's what he heard in the message. That what's the point? I can never meet that standard. So I'm just going to go back to living my life the way I was living it. Whatever God does, he does. Well, guess what? Living the old life won't get you there. Because God is watching, and God did what he did and put him back in jail for another 10 years, away from his family. He was in church with his family being faithful, serving, but the flesh was still there. And something he heard in that message was so twisted in his mind and his experience that he thought it was a pass to go back to living the way he was living. There are consequences. And I thank God that he's the exception rather than the rule. That even as the 99 are left by the shepherd to go retrieve the one, So the Lord redeemed him, brought him back when he came out. And I got to sit beside him at the table at his daughter's wedding reception after I performed her wedding ceremony. Praise God. But he paid a price. How many of us pay a price and don't even realize it by turning our back on those that God wants us to care for and minister? The unlovely and the unlovable. Jesus says, listen, even the sinners love those that love them. Even sinners do good to them that do good to them, to them, to them, to them. And even sinners lend, hoping for a favor in return. That's called politics, by the way, if you don't realize that. Lord, deliver us. (laughs) Amen. What would Jesus do? We know what he would do because we know what he did. What will the Father do? He tells us. He'll bless us. And he'll enable us to bless others and continue to do so. So if I ask you the question, is your blesser broken? Let me change it up a little bit. And we say, is your blesser, the one who blesses you and me, is your blesser broke? Amen. He's not out of resources. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's not run out of resources. His account isn't empty. And that means that 
our resources and our account is just as full. May not look like it. May not feel like it. But I trust God. And if I have the dollars, that's a resource. If I have the time, that's a resource. If I have the opportunity, even that can be a resource because it can draw me back to him, can draw me back to what my mission in life is all about for as many years, as days, maybe hours as he gives me. This is my life now. I'm not distracted by the other things. I'm not distracted by anything else. Pure ministry. It didn't happen overnight. I had a, an old preacher say to me one, one Sunday, Wednesday night, actually. I was still in seminary, and uh, my wife and I were dating. I had recently gotten saved and gone to seminary, and um, they invited me to come and speak on a Wednesday night service, you know, kind of like the rookie breaking in, you know, make your mistakes on Wednesday night. Nobody will know because nobody's paying attention anyway. And uh, so I got there. Now, it used to drive my wife crazy because I used my hands. That's so why I decided to put the mic in the one. I have Parkinson's now, so this helps me control the one hand. But i got to use the other one. The other one's moving. And she would say, now, just don't be waving your hands and your arms around all over the place. This was a conservative church. A mighty fortress is our God. It's like, well, you got to break in in the minors before you get to the majors. Amen. So I get up there, and the whole time I'm thinking, keep your hands at your side. Keep your hands at your side. Don't lift your hands. Don't wave your hands. Preacher comes up to me, and he says, that was a good message, Brother Mike, but let me give you a tip as an old preacher to young preacher. God gave you two weapons, a left hand and a right hand. Be sure to use them when you preach. There it goes. I didn't know how to tell that, to break, my, break the, that news to my wife, but over the years I was able to share that with her, and uh, <clears throat> we've moved on. You'll notice she's not with me today. Now, hopefully she'll be with me next week. She's actually in uh, Ohio uh, getting together with her two best friends from college at their annual get-together, and they're spending a wonderful time sitting up all night, drinking coffee, and sharing memories. And so I'll be praying to get her back because I barely left the house the last three days. Um, what will the Father do? We know what the Father will do. He'll, he'll bless our efforts. He'll bless those that we bless, and he'll continue to pour into our coffers, as it were, materially, emotionally, spiritually. As we pour out, he pours in. And you can't beat that formula. You just can't. Uh, we had a board meeting last week, and our treasurer, who's also uh, one of our team captains, in fact, everybody on our board up until very recently had at one time or another served as a team captain. Um, she, she pointed out that um, when they started as a group, it was a lot of fun. Everybody pitched in. They made these meatball sandwiches. It was a big group effort. But when we announced that we were having to close down the facility because we no longer had access to it, and that we were going to this little con construction trailer in, on a vacant lot in the middle of Hollingsworth Manor, she said some of her folks struggled. She said, I struggled. For my first response, she confessed at the point. She said, my first response was, well, I'm not going there. And now you can't keep her out of the place. She comes by every Saturday. 
She and her mom, they come in every Saturday to pick up the, the weekly statistics, the files that we keep for. She comes in for the board meetings. She comes in with her team that serves on a monthly basis to drop off. And she's now one of our biggest cheerleaders for the ministry. You know why? Because she's seen God work. Will we take the blinders off and see, really see what God is doing? Or will we continue to put the dark glasses on to hide our eyes, cloud our vision, go merrily on our way and ignore those in our path? Is your blesser broken? Of course not. Might need a little duct tape and Gorilla Glue sometime, but it's not broken. And he's not broke. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to walk the talk as simple as that. Walk the talk. If we say we love him, then let's show that love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said it right here. Do to others as you would have them do to you. These are difficult times, no question. These are unprecedented times in our country. In the church, we see a falling away. We see division. We see people forgetting that the people sitting next to them are their brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're going to spend eternity together. We hide in our pride. Yeah, that's what it gets down to. It's the great sin. It's the sin of Satan. We hide in our pride. We put on a happy face, but we say, I know what the Word of God says. I know what God expects of me, but I'm not going to do it. Step back from those. Pray for them. Intercede for them. Love them. But be careful. Walk the talk. And let's be busy with our blessers this week, caring for others, those near and those far, whom God gives us the opportunity. And he will be glorified. Amen. Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share these few moments with these wonderful folks, Lord, folks that have been so faithful as a congregation for so long and continue to be so here in our local community and around the world, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen their hand, be with Pastor Jack and all those who serve here in whatever capacity. Lord, I pray that you, for those who have, who have been unable to return to fellowship, that you would watch over and care for them and give them the confidence at the right time to return. I pray, Lord, for an end to this pandemic. I pray for your health and healing for all those touched by it. And I pray that you would be pleased with your body, the church, this week as we serve. In your name, amen.
was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Perry Cross, as you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasure you Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.